welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Another great week in the books. Our thanks to Ross Tucker. Our thanks to Dennis Dodd. Our thanks to you, the listeners. Uh, if you've not gotten a chance to go back and listen, uh, we had uh, we had a lot of fun with Ross uh, digging into the Big Ten, uh, sort of diagnosing what went wrong with Penn State and Wisconsin. Dennis checked in with uh, some of his hot seat. And, of course, uh, Barton and I staying up late to give you that playoff live reaction election results. Uh, and Alabama was number one again. It was the upset of the century. Gentlemen, uh, we're here on the Locks Pod. That's the business for today. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Barton? Ready? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'd, I'd like to state up front here, look, if you're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to assume some uh, responsibility for what happens to you because <laughs> while we're going to give you the picks – you also have to diagnose our confidence level and understand when it's time to fade us and when it's time to ride us. And last week, I told you oh, I Lord, like slate. <laughs> <laughs> so if you faded me, then you handled that properly. If you picked, if you went with me, then shame on you. I'll say up front, I like my picks this week. I'm going to make it real easy on you folks. Ride with me this week. And Barton comes to that after going one and five last week. Uh, but we will begin. Uh, we will begin our quick review before we get started uh, with this the week eleven picks that uh, with a review of what happened. Tom was our big man. You you came in and and you knew that it was going to be turnaround week. What a banner week for Fernelli seven and one. Uh, that is plus six on the week gets him to forty and thirty five back on the goods money making side of things on the season. Uh, plus five on the season. Let's go through them. Under 54, Bama LSU, never a doubt. Georgia minus nine, never a doubt. Under 51 in Miami Duke. Just real sweet once we saw that puddle that they were oh, playing yeah. on in Miami Gardens. Uh, under 44 in Air Force Army, that's a dub. Uh, Notre Dame minus nine and a half, a bit sweaty. Wait, was that final 10 points? Yeah, no, that was... There, there was some sweat there. It was Ian Book's nice touchdown run at the end of the in the fourth quarter that kind of put that one away for us. Yeah, three-point game, uh, ten-point win. Notre Dame gets that cover there. FAU plus three. Oh, a lock fight. The lock, the the Shula Bowl lock fight goes Tom's way uh, as the Owls take the win. Uh, BYU plus thirteen and a half against Boise State, also a win. Only loss of the week was the Chip Kelly revenge play, which Tom, if and I'm not making any apologies for you, but I feel like you were just in a in a funky sort of fade Oregon kind of mood too, right there. No, I, I honestly thought UCLA would play a lot better than it did, um, and Oregon played better than I thought it was going to as well. So no, that was I have no problem with the pick. I just don't like the result. Seven and one on the week. Uh, again, the week's leader. Uh, let's let's check in on Chip. Chip under fifty four in Bama LSU. I was riding that one. That's a win. Georgia minus nine and under fifty one Miami Duke. Barton, you were nervous about Tom and I getting cozy. We took it all the way to uh, to Cashville. Uh, 
Notre Dame. Yeah, Northwestern plus nine and a half. That was a lock fight that I lost to Tom. Georgia Tech minus six. Uh, that was a win. And then under 77 and a half in Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Didn't really stand much of a chance. I think that final total was 97. So, yeah. I will not be going on the Bedlam under this week. I'll go ahead and tease that one. Normally, that would be a principle, but I'm a little bit scared. Four and two on the week, though. Uh, plus two for the week. 39 and 90 plus nine on the season. Okay, Barton. Thir- 39 and 30. 30 what did I say? <laughs> 39 and 90 yeah. would be an awful thing. <laughs> 39 and 30 plus nine units on the, uh, on the season. Uh, Barton, let's, let's dig into what happened here. Texas minus two. Hard to hate that one, right? No, I, no, no regrets there. You know what? I just lost it. Washington minus 10. Really no regrets there either. I mean, they sort of gave that one away. They, that, that was that was one I chalked up late in the night. Like, all right, looks like this one's at least going to hit. Yeah. But, nope. FIU minus three. We mentioned that. Shula Bowl lost. Did you get any eyes on that one? You were no, in, oh, no. yeah, you were in, in, in Lexington. Yeah, yeah, that one was, you know what, I mean, that's like, uh, I was playing on Fernelli's turf there, that it was, it was, was a road game for me, and uh, I I just, I don't play well on the road, I guess. And Ohio State. Nobody comes into Fernelli's turf and leaves <laughs> with the win. <laughs> Ohio State minus 17 and a half, um, yeah, I, I think we talked a lot about Ohio State at the beginning of the week, that was... That was not a game that uh, it ever really looked like the Buckeyes were even in the mood to cover. Uh, nah. And UCLA plus 10.5, 1 1-5 on the week, minus 4 for the week, to 35-32 and 32 plus 3 on the season. So the season standings, uh, Chip at 39-30, and 30, Tom at 40-35, and 35, Barton at 35-32. and 32. As, a, as a unit... As a, as a squad, we are at 114 and 97 plus 6.26 units on the season. So I I like where we're at at this point in the year. I feel like everyone's got their principles. I feel like, uh, obviously, as Barton mentioned, we, we're trying to give the listeners what we can in terms of stating our confidence level. But you ultimately have the responsibility for your own picks. That is, that is the waiver that you've signed by downloading this podcast. All right. Uh, for pacing purposes, how many logs do we have uh, sitting around right now? I got six or seven. I have seven. Yeah, I've got eight. I've got five I like and a couple that we'll see how it goes. Um, all right, gentlemen, y'all ready to lock it up? Ready. Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Tom, you get to, uh, you've got the honors after that 7-1 banner week. Let's keep the hot streak rolling. Get us started on our locks. Well, I guess I'll start with one of the bigger games of the week, although after last week's slate, this week's looks really empty in comparison, but there are some good games. I'm taking Mississippi State plus 24 at Alabama. Woo! Uh, it's just too big. The spread is too big. It's, uh, I don't, you know, I also feel like at some point, Alabama, the absolute juggernaut, is still a team filled with college-age students 
And at some point, they're going to have something of a letdown. And if after beating, you know, LSU 29 to nothing in what's supposed to be the biggest game of the year for them, if they don't have the letdown this week, maybe they're not human. Maybe they're going to destroy the world and take it over. But I, I just look at this matchup, and if you look at what the game was with LSU last week, Mississippi State's a similar team to LSU in that it's very good defensively, and I would say it's better defensively than LSU, except the secondary LSU is better. Everything else, Mississippi State's is better. And offensively, it's limited. But I still think that 24 points, especially with Alabama returning home, is too much. Um, the, the Tide, you know, they're 9-0, but they're only 6-3 and three against the spread, and they're only 3-2 and two against the spread at home. I think that Mississippi State could get to 10 points, and I think if Mississippi State gets to 10 points, that's going to be enough to cover because, as we saw last week, you know, Alabama, went, when it went up against LSU's defense, it wasn't quite the same offensive juggernaut. It had to actually work to move the ball down the field, and, you know, it, it got 29 points. And I think it could get about 31 on Mississippi State this week, which for me, for Alabama, that's that's maybe slightly subpar performance. So I, I feel like this is a 31-10 to 10 game. <laughs> I just think the spread is probably about three or four points too big. That's really all it comes down to. Uh, the tip of the cap to you there. Tom, you know, I just uh, that that's it's always ballsy picking against Alabama this year. And of all the games on the slate, I'm impressed that you're, that you're saddling up to the table and playing this one. I last week was I feel like such a layup in retrospect. And early in the week I saw that I was I was ready to play Alabama, but I made the mistake of writing a story about the key matchup in the game. And I just sort of talked myself into eh, maybe LSU can keep this close. I, 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 I see all the things you're saying there, and, and it all makes sense. I'd just be too scared to, to fade the tide uh, at all this season. But I, I, I hear you. What, Mississippi State's given up, what, nine touchdowns all year long? Yeah, it's. I mean, for a defense, it's been as stout as that, and as, you know, especially on the front seven, it's very good. I just feel like twenty-four points is asking for a little too much. I think that's more of a public perception of Alabama following, you know, what it did to LSU. Where I think Vegas is kind of thinking, okay, well, this is what they're going to think. But I think in reality, Alabama's more of a twenty-point favorite than it is a twenty-four-point favorite. Yeah, and and when Mississippi State is when they're when Jamal Peters is healthy in that secondary at corner that makes them a lot better um and it, it appears he's healthy and so when they're not starting smitherman as their was smitherman is their third corner instead of their second corner that's a huge difference because the rest of the group cam dantzler and jonathan abram and mark mclaurin i mean that's a, that's a really good secondary so I, I think that they can hold up and at least not get just blown out the building I've got a really weird play on this game. Uh, I'm going over, and I've got it at 53. And it's it's based on this mentality that if if there's going to be a letdown with this particular Alabama team, a letdown feels more like coverage busts. A letdown feels more like uh, Nick Fitzgerald gets loose Joe Moorhead gets in a rhythm calling plays and all of a sudden uh, this this game gets a this game gets a little bit more wide open than Nick Saban would like it that the you know if the perfect defensive showing if 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 the you know the Mona Lisa of Alabama season is 29 nothing 
against LSU in Baton Rouge that coming back home where, hey, that Texas A&M game, 45-23, Kellen Mond was able to hit on a couple big plays. The Texas A&M offense was able to move a little bit in the second quarter. I I kind of see this one playing in a I, – I, I think that, Tom, our, our interests could align here because I'm, I'm basically playing out something that involves maybe another – uh, 45 to 21 kind of game. Uh, I just, I, I kind of feel like that the letdown for Alabama with an offense this explosive doesn't as much look like uh, 13 to nothing against Mississippi State. I think it looks more like one of the scores that we used to see in one of the Ole Miss games. And I know that Mississippi State's defense has only allowed nine touchdowns and Nick Fitzgerald has, there are allegations of regression but man, if if you're, this is where Bart and I come back to just being a little bit still invested in Joe Moorhead, and and when they came into the year thinking that they were going to challenge for the SEC West, I got to think that there was there there was some planning putting in in July and August about you know what you would have to take on Alabama. So I'm I'm kind of favoring this to get uh, a a few more fireworks than we saw against LSU. Wow couple guys bringing some some onions to the table here over in a Bama game after they shut out LSU and playing Mississippi State against the the team of the century uh hey have at it I mean I'm that that's another scary play to me but uh, oh it's yeah I mean I understand it's not conventional but I don't have conventional tastes well two to your point, Chip, you know, I mean, if you look at like S and P Plus, Alabama's got the eleventh best defense in the country. But where things get iffy for it is in ISO PPP, which is a measure of explosiveness, you know, per play, they're eighty eighth defensively. That they're prone to giving up big plays. They have given up big plays this season. So as far as you mentioned with like the letdown with maybe some coverage busts or just allowing big plays, it's it wouldn't be something they haven't already done at points this year. Yeah, yeah the, but the, the two things that scare me about the, your play, though, is a this Alabama is playing their best football defensively last few weeks, like they're improving there from the from early in the season, and b I have a, I just have a hard time seeing a one dimensional team move the ball in Alabama. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving old Joe Ball coach enough credit, but it's, it's hard it's hard for me to envision it. I'll be rooting for points for you, though. I, I always, I always encourage an underplay on this pod. You mean an overplay? I'm an overplay. Sorry. Yeah. I just can't even, can't even, can't even say the word anymore. Like I, it's, it's one of those games where, it, like, if if LSU had scored a touchdown early, you know, or you know, if LSU had had shown any kind of offensive uh, threat then it becomes more of an impetus for Alabama to, to push the pace a little bit. And that's, again, I'm, I'm, I'm using that Texas A&M game as a touchstone because that's the way it felt, where it was like defense would give something up, so then all of a sudden uh, there's a little bit more of uh, a pressure for Tua to go out there and put the game away. And that kind of back and forth, I think, can carry me to an over in the like third and fourth quarter. Barton? What do you want? Uh, all right, this is. I, I'm going to appeal to the syndicate here and uh, and ask for some feedback on this pick. Okay. Uh, Friday night, Syracuse hosts Louisville. Right. 
and they're laying 21 points. And I am asking you guys to talk me off of this if I need to be talked off of this. Why wouldn't I go take some free Friday night money with Syracuse? I know this is a game before Notre Dame, and, and they, there may be a look-ahead opportunity. Louisville beat Syracuse 56-10 to 10 last year. And I, I think that Louisville's that bad. I think that they've quit. I think that this Syracuse offense is, if anything, explosive. And I, I think that they're going to want to run it up on a Louisville team that is a dead man walking. And so I want to get some easy favorite money on a Friday night before the weekend even kicks. I need you guys to tell me if I just need to to, to walk away from the window here. No. No. All right, they, play it that, in. That's a dead-ass team. Yeah. They have – they quit. I mean, that was the one thing I took away from that Clemson game last week. It's like I, I knew Clemson was going to beat Louisville – and, I mean, you look at the spread, it was nearly a 40-point spread, so you never thought it was going to be close. But Louisville showed up to that game not even interested in playing it. They just let them do whatever the hell they want and run all over them. And then I can't – I, Mark Ennis tweeted he's a Louisville – you know, he, he works yeah. for radio in Louisville. It, he tweeted something earlier this week that, according to a source, 20 Louisville football players have requested paperwork to initiate a transfer. Holy – 20. <laughs> What does that tell you about this team's buy-in level for a Friday night game on the road at Syracuse? This team, they, they've checked out. They don't care. They're done. So, no, I, I don't have any problem at all with you making that play. All right. That's, uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something, and instead I got feedback that makes me even more confident. So let's, let's, start to, let's start Saturday off with some money in our pocket. Let's go ahead and take a favorite, a cool 35-point cover, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and take that and give it to me. I don't hate, and this was this did not make it from the uh, the forest to the uh, the wood fire bin, but I looked at it. I wouldn't hate the under here either, just based on the premise of uh, Louisville's not gonna score a single point. Yeah, but Syracuse might score seventy, <laughs> which is why it's not. I told you it didn't yeah. make it to the bin. I looked at it and I was like, "Huh, I don't know." But uh, yeah, I mean, what was it? Uh, Trevor Lawrence only threw the ball twelve times. Like they, yeah, and and most of that was just in like third down and red zone kind of situation. He he threw the ball twelve times. Two of them were touchdowns. One was an interception. Like, uh, Clemson, they just ran the ball at him. Clemson scored seventy points on fifty-seven plays. <laughs> they averaged more than a point per play. <laughs> That's uh, remarkable. I mean, the only, I, thing, the only I, thing that worries me here is that the line has stayed steady at 21, and there's like 88% of the public on Syracuse, and, and Vegas seems pretty content with that number. So that's the only thing that kind of catches me. I got to kind of side-eye a little bit, but right. I mean, whatever. If I, I'm going to – I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to play – Dino Baber's got a, a, a hell of a, a pregame speech ready for this one. He's, he's going he's gonna to bring out the big guns for this one, kind of warm himself up for the Notre Dame game in the Bronx, and uh, the, the kids are going to respond. I've got, uh, I've got maybe even bigger questions, Tom, from that report from Mark when he said it was the, it was the worst that the source had seen since, quote, 
the women's lacrosse fiasco. And now I want to know what happened in the women's lacrosse fiasco. I hope it wasn't. I hope it wasn't something really, really bad. But like that was the report. Is like uh, it was. It's you know, twenty players have requested the paperwork for transfer. Football players have requested the transfer. It's the worst the athletic department has seen since the women's lacrosse fiasco. And again, I hope that this wasn't doesn't come with anything serious. I've not researched it, but I was like, huh, man, that must have been a bad fiasco. That must have been a fiasco. Must have been a fiasco. Uh, Let's see, Tom. Back to you. I'm sticking in the SEC for my next pick. I am taking Auburn plus 14 and a half at Georgia. Another game where I just think that public perception is kind of overestimating the other. I mean, Auburn is clearly not the team that people thought it could have been before the season began. Offensively, it's been bad. Defensively, it's been still very good. And I just don't I, I love the hook more than anything, because I think that Georgia, a very young team, Coming off a huge win last week against Kentucky has wrapped up the SEC East. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a letdown from the Bulldogs this week, and they're going against an Auburn defense that is very good and can limit them offensively. And I know Kentucky's defense it was good going into last week, and Georgia kind of broke through and exploded on it, but I think Auburn's is better than Kentucky. I think Kentucky was a good defense that was also benefiting from who it was playing so far in the season. And I just think that 14 and a half points is too many. I think Georgia is a 10 point favorite over Auburn. And I think that Auburn is going to cover this one. I mean, this is this Auburn did beat Georgia last year. It's not like that the team has dropped off that considerably this season. And I, I expect that they'll probably be ready for this game. It's 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 a rivalry game. Wow. Lock fight. Woo! Bring fight. it on. Fight. 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 <laughs> now, I want this number at 14. I'm seeing it at 14 almost everywhere I'm looking. Uh, But I'm taking the Bulldogs minus 14. I I got battered and beaten last week in the lock fights. I feel like Cool Hand Luke in the the jailhouse circle just getting pounded and just keeps on getting up for more. I want more of you, Fernelli. I'm going to get you back here because, look, uh, I, I think that Yes, I watched them up close last week. And one concern is Georgia got a little banged up last week against Kentucky. A bit more of a fade Auburn than a play Georgia. I still think Auburn is not that good of a team. I still think that last week they kind of got lucky to, to, to steal one against Texas A&M at home. And now they're going on the road to a Georgia team that yeah, that maybe there's a letdown, but maybe the 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 alternative to that is this is a team that is finally peaking. Like they're play, they're 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 growing in confidence defensively. They've I mean they really found their run game against Kentucky and and while I don't think Kentucky played well against the run last week and I was really disappointed in sort of their their uh, discipline and, and and tackling there. I do think that that Georgia deserves some credit for their running backs making plays and their offensive line just just mashing. And so I, I think that Georgia is a much better team than Auburn. And with them coming back home, uh, a hero's welcome is, is waiting for them. And, and I think that they – it's a 17-point-plus win. Um, I was, I was going to suspect – 
that Tom just sits around on Tuesday nights and when the playoff rankings are revealed, he's just going to fade all the top teams, like fade Bama, fade <laughs> Georgia. And so let's put it to the test. I'm not taking a side here, but my next play is under 57 and a half in Clemson Boston College. This is an elite defensive backfield for Boston College. Uh, Lucas Dennis, Will Harris, some of the best safeties in the conference, if not the country. Hamp Cheevers has become just a ridiculous breakout star as a junior. Uh, I mean, they're just they're taking guys in the NFL, and then the the backups that come in the next year, they're going to be off to the NFL too. And I think that the challenge that they can present for Trevor Lawrence, mixing up their coverage, is really testing the way that he can diagnose a defense both before and after the snap. Like I just. I, I think we finally see uh, a little bit of a resistance. Now, that being said, I think I still picked Clemson to cover this spread. Um, but I, I I feel like this game is decided at 20... I don't know. Like Clemson might hit 30 points, but if Clemson hits 30 points, I don't think that Boston College has hit 21. And so I'm 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 liking the idea that the ground game that has been the I mean Clemson's number 1 in yards per carry and number 1 in yards per carry allowed, and I think that in in the environment, uh first ranked on ranked game in Chestnut Hill since 2006. I think that they just end up not trying to put Trevor Lawrence in a position to make a mistake. And I think that favors the under. So let's go under 57 and a half, uh, maybe some red zone stops, some field goal attempts, and uh, a whole lot of running the ball between these two teams. Hopefully it's a, it's a swift one at 8 o'clock on Saturday night in Chestnut Hill. I don't hate it. You, anyone yeah, got a side? I, I, I No, I don't have a side because I, I actually really like – I, I really like BC, and I really like this spot. It's going to be cold as hell. It's going to be, you know, BC's really talented. They they've got a really good offensive line, and so I think this is a this is a spot they could they could give Clemson some trouble, and yet Clemson just might be that good to where all none of that stuff matters. So I'm scared to play it. Probably if I was going to play it, of all the directions to go, this is the way I'd go under 57 and a half. I I. I I can ride with that pick. Zach Allen might be our, our game changer here. Steve Adazio is talking about him a lot this week. Him and him and uh, Wyatt Ray, defensive ends, have combined for 22.5 tackles for loss this year. They're pretty sick. Uh, Tom? Um, I'm still in the SEC. Four of my seven picks are SEC games this week. There's a definite flavor. And my next one is another underdog. Take an old Miss plus 12 at Texas A&M. Uh, it's, again, it's another underdog getting too many points. Uh, the Aggies were impressive in their losses to Clemson and Alabama this year, but were they really impressive or did we did they just do better than we expected them to? Because, you know, they, they come into this game having lost two straight, including last week to Auburn. And now th- their last three games have all been on the road. There's been a bye. So they're back home this weekend. By the way, Whoever makes the SEC schedule, giving a team three straight road games is kind of a you know jerk move in my opinion. But anyways, I, I just don't think Texas A&M is that good. I think it's good, but I think its five and four record is not 
like misleading in any way. I think it's just very indicative of the kind of team that the Aggies are. And especially this Texas A&M defense has a penchant for allowing big plays. They have allowed 14 plays of 40 yards or more this season, which ranks as tied for last in the SEC and 103rd in the country. And a, a defense that gives up big plays is not really something that's going to match up well with Old Miss's offense, which has proven to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country. Now, obviously, Old Miss's defense gives up just as you know, is capable of giving up just as many big plays as anybody. So I feel like this is going to be something of a shootout. And if I'm getting nearly two touchdowns in a shootout, I'm going to take them with the Rebels. I think this is, you know, the Aggies 38, Rebels 31. So give me Ole Miss plus 12. Um, would you like uh, a dentist's opinion on this game? I would love the dentist's Wait, opinion. Let me let me go ahead before you get it in. I'm on I'm on the lock fight with this, Tom. Ooh. Fight, 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 fight. All right, what's the dentist's opinion? Well, the dentist, and so the dentist right now is sitting at in his in his locks. He's two zero and one. He got a push last week in Texas and Auburn. Uh, but he's still, I think, like 8-1 and one in Ole Miss games. He is not touching the side. He's actually going under here, which I thought was, was kind of interesting. Uh, I guess Jordan Tom, who's a little banged up, I guess these teams typically play each other pretty close. I like your side too, Tom, uh, because of what you said. I mean, uh, Texas A&M is, is 128th in the country and uh, – Marginal explosiveness uh, in the past game, and Ole Miss does that pretty well. But I'll let uh, I'll let Chip pitch his side for Texas A&M. But the dentist is locked in. The dentist lock of the week is under what is it, sixty-seven and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sixty-seven. Yeah. Hey, under works for me too. That means there's less points. It means twelve points are more valuable. Jimbo's got to have this one big. Uh, he yeah. This I I think that this game. Uh, like the LSU game is gonna is gonna be at home and it's gonna carry a bunch of significance, but he doesn't want to go into that game, you know, six and five. We're losing it drops it to six and six. Like this is this is what keeps you from having a sub five hundred SEC record in year one. I I think that you you mentioned Tom. A lot of it does have to do with like man after. Three straight road games, none of them really being particularly good performances. If if Texas A and M's got anything, they need to come home and and they need to be able to to put up a win to feel good about. And so if if we expect that Texas A and M is at least more than a touchdown better than anything up to fourteen, based on uh, just just the the little bit of extra motivation or. Or you know, it's it's betting on Jimbo, it's betting on Mike Elko, it's betting on either that team for whatever motivation is worth. Like I just that Texas A and M, if they are supposed to beat this team by more than one touchdown, then they need to win this game by two touchdowns because otherwise, like that's what keeps you at a level where you're seven and five. That's disappointing, but that's way different than six and six heading into the bowl season. I look forward to defeating you on the field of battle, sir. Yeah. I, I I could. There's a chance old old Miss is running out of stuff to play for. I'm with you there. Um, yeah, this is a 
this this one's this one is is unpredictable to me. Yeah, motivation and and doesn't doesn't that fly along with our preseason theory of load up on Ole Miss early, fade Ole Miss late? Yeah, but I just think that that even if you're fading them, I mean, I'm not picking them to win, but I think 12 points is too much here. I think they should be a touchdown underdog. All right, I look forward to our lock fight. Barton. All right, uh, I got more SEC on the plate, but we'll 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 mix it up a little bit for now. Uh, and I'm gonna go to one of my one of my favorite plays of the weekend. A cute little play uh, <laughs> down in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Kansas plus ten and a half is the play, gentlemen. Oh, he's taking the dead coach bounce. Dead cat bounce back. <laughs> uh, I look here's here's where I'm at. This game, first of all, Kansas is, is a credit David Beatty. I mean, he's actually leaving this program in better shape than he found it. They're playing their best football of his tenure right now. They, they're not some juggernaut. They're not a team that's, that's scary for most. They're, they're still a, the doormat of the Big 12. But they've got, they're heading to, to, to Manhattan to play a Kansas State team, and I think they're going to be very motivated. They're going to want to play for their coach, who I think that they all believe in. They're going to want to beat their rival that's been that's beat them, I think, the last eight games or something. Uh, and and I think that this is a team that's got some playmakers. And when you look at the flip side, a Kansas State team, that just every week it's just sort of this mess. It's just this... You know, it's it, n- none of it feels right. I don't think any of those guys are. This is probably Bill Snyder's last run, and I don't think any of those guys are overly motivated to to send him out on a good note. Not that I just don't know that there's that sort of tie to Bill Snyder that that people on the outside think there is. Uh, I'm not sure he has like this close relationship with his players. There's a respect, sure, but I just don't know that there's from a motivation standpoint. You got a disappointing Kansas State season. But actually, an, uh, an ener- energized Kansas season with your coach heading out the door, and now you got a chance to to really sort of punch above your weight and and beat a a rival that's a little bit down. I like Kansas here catching ten and a half points. Lock me up. Lock it up. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I can't I can't get on board with it, but I love where it comes from. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> That's the greatest compliment you can get on the Locks podcast. That, is, that that gives me warm warm fuzzies. I'm not going to follow you down that path, Barton. But man, I hope you find the the gold you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going uh, Kansas plus ten and a half. Uh, Tom, back to you. Uh, okay, so we'll get out of the SEC for this one. We'll go back later. I am taking Miami at Georgia Tech under fifty five and a half. Beautiful. I, I don't want any part of the spread in this game because I have no idea what to expect. But I just think that Miami's offense is a mess. It's been a mess all season, save for games against Toledo and Florida International and, you know, do your own math there. But there's a chance that Georgia Tech's defense might be what Miami needs to get its act together offensively, which is why I'm staying away from the spread. 
But I have faith that Miami's defense, which has been good all season long and has been one of the most disruptive defensive lines in the country all season long, will be able to slow down Georgia Tech's offense. Because if there's anything that makes for a nightmare afternoon for an option offense, it's the defensive line getting into your backfield on a regular basis. And that's what Miami is capable of doing. And that's what I expect Miami to be able to do against Georgia Tech. So... While I don't want to take Miami to cover or even take Georgia Tech to cover in this game, I do think that there won't be if at my my most I think the most likely outcome is that Miami's defense completely slows down Georgia Tech's offense. So even if its offensive can't get itself going, there's not going to be that many points scored in this game. And as always, I always love unders in games with option teams too. So when you combine that with Miami's defense, I just think under 55 and a half is the best play to make in this game. I am on Miami. What in the world are we doing allowing Georgia Tech to be a favorite against Miami? <laughs> Again, I that's I I completely agree because I picked Miami to win the game 28 to 17. But it's just, <laughs> I do not want to trust Malik Rozier or Nikosi Perry or Mark Rick to be just frank with you the way that they're handling these QBs. So, you know, I, 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 I'm I, with you. It's just I'd, I'd much rather be on the under. Yeah, I nah, there's there's like, and look, Travis Homer's banged up too. Like there's there are so many reasons. But man, I, I go back and I... And this is another one of those where I'm probably in my head too much, but I I have a sneaking suspicion that not everyone who is going to be uh, considering whether or not to play Miami, I don't know if the the conditions of that Duke game really drove home. Like I I don't I don't know if the the details of the way that game played out. I think that you look at Miami and you're like. Oh, they've got losses to Virginia, Boston College, and Duke. Man, Miami is one of the worst teams in the ACC. And I, I I, don't think they're one of the worst teams in the ACC. I think they've got an elite defense, and I think that Georgia Tech is not elite at anything. And so, like, I, I was on Georgia Tech, and I cashed that ticket, and I watched a lot of that game, and Miami should not be an underdog against that Georgia Tech team. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mean – take whatever their projections are worth to S and P projects that Miami wins this game 65% of the time. So, and like, and in a little bit of a way, like if I guess that another, uh, another thing that's backing me up is back to that. Mark Richt cannot be losing this game like this. He's he, that coaching staff and, and that, that locker room, I mean, they, they need a win bad and Georgia tech is bad enough that they can get that win in Bobby Dodd Stadium. So I am on so, the Canes. So, so you're locked. What is your number you got there? Three. All right. Will you give me three and a half? Is there three and a half anywhere? Uh, uh no. Yeah, I think so. Oh no. Nothing that I could see. Yeah. Uh, so the, in. Yeah, 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 I think most of them are three. Oh no, it's Miami plus three. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, got <laughs> Hey, Miami minus three. I'm nowhere near. <laughs> that's the, that's the margins that we're dealing with right now. I just know they should not be an underdog to Georgia tech personnel alone. No, sir. Uh, Barton. Um, let's, uh, let's get, 
Let's go Big Ten. Let's go Big Ten here. This is a this is a big game uh, that probably should have gotten to earlier, but I had to get that Kansas pick out. But and I, I bet I'm not alone on this play. But I'm gonna go to East Lansing mm-hmm. for the big rivalry matchup between Michigan State and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two teams playing in that game. One of them is a is a luxury automobile <clears throat> that has got a few dents, hadn't been serviced, and is is running a little loose right now. The other one's a big dump truck that likes to get be banged up, likes to have some scratches and dents, like to ha- likes to have some paint job issues, likes to be ugly and play and this sort of stuff. I'm gonna take the dump truck. Give me Michigan State plus three and a half against the sports car that just isn't running right right now. Uh, I just think this is a game. This is one of those like, all right, I'm going to trust what you're telling me. Ohio State, I'm going to trust what you're telling me. You, you, you weren't impressive against Indiana. You weren't impressive against Minnesota. You, you, uh, you lost badly to Purdue. You nearly lost to Nebraska. You're telling me you're not that good. You're telling me you're you're just a good team. You're not a, you're not an elite team, and then you got a Michigan State team that is also that's doing what Michigan State always does. They're playing teams close. You don't know how they're going to figure it out, but they figure it out. Is at home. They're very motivated here. Ohio State feels like they're broken. Might be a, a strong word, but they're they are uh, they need an oil change, and I don't think they've gotten it since last week. So give me the dump truck. Give me Michigan State. To figure it out, maybe it's a one-point loss, but maybe it's a win, too. I'll take the three-and-a-half points. Lock agreement. We're picking locks. I'm on, I'm on Sparty, too. I think I told you that I was, I was – I picked that on Sunday. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm over, over Ohio State. Uh, I will be fading Ohio State in this game. I will be fading Ohio State in the Michigan game. And I don't know about Maryland. That one might be one I sit out. But uh but yeah, I don't I don't uh I don't like what I see from Ohio State right now and the I think that the raw talent of this team, you know, and the potential of what that raw talent can do on the football field is going to keep the value uh on fading Ohio State the rest of the way. I'm out for the rest of the season. Oh man. Lock fight? I wasn't going to do it. It wasn't originally on my card. But it is now lock fight. Fight! Fight! Wait, wait fight, a minute. Fight, so you just got ordinary listen to it, us talk. No, about- it's again. You remember last week where we had that situation with Notre Dame where I didn't want to give the pick because it's you know behind the paywall uh. for my, the six pack. <laughs> it's happening again. But you know what? Screw it. I'm <laughs> I'm on Ohio State minus three and a half, and I understand why you guys are on Michigan State plus three and a half. I really do. But the difference to me is that if you look at Ohio State in its last couple games against Purdue and Nebraska, clearly Ohio State's problems this year have been defensively. And Purdue and Nebraska have offenses that can exploit Ohio State's deficiencies on defense. Michigan State doesn't. 
I don't think the Spartans are good enough offensively to really be a concern for the Ohio State defense. And I think Ohio State's offense through all of this has been just fine. I'm not that concerned about it. I mean, S&P-wise, Ohio State's offense ranks third in the country. It's a good offense, and they're going to be able to score enough points against a sturdy Michigan State defense, and I just don't trust that Michigan State offensively is going to be able to do enough to keep pace. And while it could be a close win, I will also point out that Ohio State has not lost in East Lansing since 1999. So I'm on the Buckeyes, minus three and a half. Lock it up, swing them around. Let's see who gets hit in the face first. Sound, sound reasoning, Tom. Sound reasoning. And uh, I congratulate you on trying to figure out Michigan State. Uh, they, they don't go by your blueprint, man. They don't do it the way they're supposed to do it. They just figure it out. You know, this is, you know, you don't go into a, 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 a dump truck doesn't go into what do they call those things where the cars smash into each other? The demolition derby. Demolition derby. You don't go into a demolition derby with a plan. You just you just bang around until you got the win, and that's what Michigan State's going to do. They're going to go in there. They're going to bang around until they come out with a win. And I get where you're coming from, but I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna trust in the the culture right now, Michigan State, to, to figure this out. Yeah, I just it's offensively they against bad defenses they're scoring in the mid twenties. You know what I mean? So it's like I just I don't have much trust in them to be able to put up enough points to keep up with Ohio State. That's really all it comes down to. The explosiveness and the statistics are fair. I think that the Ohio State offense is discombobulated. It might still be very good, but I also think it's a little bit one-dimensional, can't run the ball very well, and it's discombobulated. They came out of a bye week with a lot of procedural penalties, not really being on the same page. (laughs) Doesn't smell right. I don't like it. I'm out. I'm out. All right, uh, let's see. We've... so. Uh, to review real quick so far, Tom's on Mississippi State plus 24, Auburn plus 14 and a half, Ole Miss plus 12, Ohio State minus three, under 55 in Miami, Georgia Tech. Uh, Barton is on Syracuse minus 21, Georgia minus 14, Kansas plus 10 and a half, and Michigan State plus three and a half. Chips on over 53, Bama, Mississippi State, under 57 and a half, Clemson, Boston College, Texas A&M minus 12. Miami plus three, Michigan State plus three and a half. So we've got lock fights in Ohio State, Michigan State, Texas A&M Ole Miss, and Georgia Auburn. Uh, Barton, back to you. All right. Uh, Let's see. Now I'm going to go back to the SEC uh, for a little letdown opportunity Uh, in Fayetteville. Arkansas plus 13 and a half. I I think, look, there, there's an Alabama hangover potential here. You're beat up. That, that was a physical game. A little humbling. LSU's still a good team. But Arkansas on senior night with a, a, a also a team that has really, sh- I think, shown some, some reason for optimism. They've shown some promise. They are coming off a bye week. Yeah, the Vanderbilt loss wasn't pretty, but you know they really should have beaten Ole Miss. They put up 31 on Bama. They they outgained Auburn. They 
Los A&M by seven. Like, this team's close. And I think they've got players. And I think that they've, at home, off a of bye week, with LSU coming off of a really physical beatdown, I think that they've got a good enough team to keep this thing close. And I also think that LSU, as good as it is on defense, the, the fact that they were shut out by Alabama isn't all in Alabama. I think they are a little bit flawed offensively. So let down spot here. Uh, Arkansas covers the 13 and a half. I don't hate it. I just, I mean, I got to. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know that I've watched enough Arkansas football this year to feel confident. That's just that's been a team where the the season's kind of gotten away from me, and I, I don't know if I've been able to get my eyes on them. And I have not put enough noon SEC network games into my eyeballs <laughs> to be able to know uh, where Arkansas is at right now. But I like it. I mean, Bama let the uh, body blow. Bama let down. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reason. Don't they play for a boot in this game? Yeah, the golden boot or whatever. Yeah. Right. Got boot on the line, you get after it. <laughs> this game used to this game used to be like after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, yeah. When they moved it, well now just keep on you just keep on chopping yeah. wood in those ACC coastal games. Chip, keep <laughs> on just direct your attention to those. Be our ACC coastal expert. I'll handle the SEC West. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's exactly what I've been doing with my noon slates is watching Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and coming back real confident on where the bees are at the next week. I think, that that's what the noon slate is for. That's where everybody goes home for their comfort. It's like they stick to what they know, and then the afternoon and primetime games come around, and you're like, okay, now we got to start watching the games that matter. Right. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, Tom, what you got? Uh, for my next pick, I am going to go with Bedlam, and I am going to take Oklahoma State plus twenty and a half at Oklahoma. Simply put. I have always been a fan of underdogs in rivalry games such as this. But more so, I just simply cannot abide by this Oklahoma team with this defense being favored by three touchdowns over anybody, let alone its biggest rival. So I look at an Oklahoma defense that has allowed 28 points per game on the season, but 32.5 points per game in Big 12 play, and I say – if it gives up 32 points to Oklahoma State, is it going to score 50-something? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But I feel like if it does score 50-something, it's going to be in the process of allowing 40-something to Oklahoma State. I think this is going to be a shootout. and I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw last week with Oklahoma and Texas Tech. And while this Oklahoma State team is not the same team that we've been dealing with the last few years, and it's not quite as explosive, especially in the passing game, I still think Justice Hill in this run game will be able to, at the very least, move the ball and limit Oklahoma's offensive possessions because of it, and they'll hang within three touchdowns. I don't think the Cowboys are going to beat the Sooners, although I wouldn't rule it out, but three touchdowns is just way too big of a spread for this game. So this game, when I saw this, when this line was – it opened, it opened at 75 and a half, and I was all over it. I really liked the over. It's up. It's moved up to 79. And for some reason, that scared me off. But 
I want some volume this week. So I'm going to, I don't know why I'm going to let three points scare me off. I'm going to go ahead and play this with you and go over the total. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, my final score prediction for this game is 49-35. So I'm right there with you. Hmm. I'm not getting in. I'm staying away. I mean, Oklahoma I mean, scored 50-plus in the last three games. Are they not going to score 50-plus against Oklahoma State? They are. And what's Oklahoma State? They're, what, are they going to get held to 21? Nah. Like, this is going to be a... This is going to be a game. I mean, someone may get in the 60s in this one. And and I, this Oklahoma offense, here's what no one's really talking about. I, I don't know if you guys have – is there somewhere I can find, like, historical yards per play offensively that beyond, like, 2001? Because I've yet to find – Oklahoma's averaging 8.9 yards per play right now. That's – there's nothing in, 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 in the last 20 years – that comes close to that, except for like Hawaii in like the mid 2000s had a year where they had like 8.3 or something. Oklahoma is doing ridiculous stuff offensively. Oklahoma State's not going to slow them down, and I still think Oklahoma State's going to be able to get theirs. So, give me, uh, yeah, give me. I'll, I'll take, I'll take another fun one here. Over 79. Yeah, nah. This is uh, this is this is the kind of shootout in the uh, out. This is the kind of shootout out in the street. Uh, or in the town, town center, town, town in the town center, where like if I tried to wander into now, I would end up getting shot in the leg as an innocent bystander. I can't, I can't, I can't be I, like this is a curiosity killed the cat kind of situation. If I jump in on it, I root for both of you. I think that that would be fun, and I think that looking at Oklahoma and trying to judge it against the other best teams in the country is just going to continue to become. An argument. The, the the argument as old as time in college football is that it's all about what kind of flavor you like, and Oklahoma is still one of the best teams in the country, even though it wins games uh, fifty to forty, even it, just because it's not winning them twenty nine to nothing. So I hope that both of you uh, end up cashing your tickets, but I feel like if I wander in, I'm just going to take a loss. I'll be sitting this one out. Coward. Do we? Right, well, how about this? Florida State plus sixteen and a half. Let's go. <gasps> you riding that anti, the Ian book train? No, I was on Florida State when we turned in our expert picks. I think we picked yeah. it at seventeen and a half mm-hmm. uh, or eighteen and a half. But I'm, yeah, I, I am in a, I am in a, a losing position, a potentially losing position of thinking that Florida State's gonna like just figure something out here in the final three games and. Whether that gets them to a bowl game, I don't know, but I, I don't, I, I think that that would be a, a very, very bad sign if the worst performances of Florida State season are not behind them. And so, instead of like a Louisville where you feel like it's a team that's quit, I'm just, I'm going for the the coach in year one who, hopefully, he's he's been able to get something together they're going to be going on the road this is a game they don't want to be a part of it's going to be crazy conditions yeah i'm i I think that florida state can keep this thing to a seven or ten point game i'm also on florida state's cover though i'm not a lock and i was also on it with you in our expert picks before the ian book news broke so i can't argue it yeah i don't try i don't trust florida state no, that's hard to do. Agree. Yeah, yeah, but I, I will. I mean, I think the Ian Book stuff is, it's significant. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, Florida, I, 
let's remember Notre Dame kind of looked bad on offense under Brandon Wimbush in all but one quarter of play. Yeah, so, I tweeted the stat this morning. Um, in Wimbush's three starts, Notre Dame scored twenty three point three points per game. In Ian Book's six starts, it scored thirty eight point eight. So it's scoring more than two touchdowns per game with Book than it was with Wimbush. That's a significant difference, and it's not like. They were playing magnificent defenses in those three Wimbush starts. Yes, they played Michigan, but one of those poor offensive games came against Ball State. Yeah, so. and the other one, and the other one came against uh, Vanderbilt, who's yeah. who has not been good defensively this year. So I'm gonna go with Florida State, and also I, I pitched this earlier. I wondered if if there's a if there's a fade Notre Dame play in each of these last three games. I don't know if I'm I'm not gonna just take it blindly. But uh, that's. Oh, I'm on Syracuse next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm on I Syracuse. I don't care what the spread is. I'm on Syracuse, Syracuse next week. Let's go. Yeah. So, so with when you combine uh, the general sort of fade Notre Dame late here in the season with just all right, man. That's that's two touchdowns against a backup quarterback, and this is still Florida State. Like, what? Let's see what the Seminoles got. Um, yeah, I'll, know, I'll take it. Sixteen and a half. I worry that there could be some hubris here, too, because Ian Book, reportedly the injury that he suffered, the rib injury, he he suffered it in the first quarter against Northwestern last week. And he played the rest of the game, and he played well the rest of the game. Now, obviously, injuries, sometimes during games, you can get through just based on the adrenaline, and then it's after the game. That's when things really start to become a problem. But I wonder if part of this is Notre Dame's, if he could play maybe if they were playing Syracuse this week, but since it's Florida State, which is crazy to say, maybe Brian Kelly and Notre Dame are thinking, okay, we can get away without him for this week and get him an extra seven days to rest and get ready for Syracuse. So that's kind of a strange thing where they might be in that position where they're saying, we don't need our starter for Florida State. I, I think that is 100% what's going on, Tom. And I don't like the energy that puts out. No, I don't either. I think that's, I mean, that's that's a scary problem. I know that they're having a horrible year, but it's still Florida State. It's yeah. not like you're, you're playing, you know, the Citadel this weekend. Yeah, act it, t- treating Florida State like the Citadel is a fast way to catch your first loss. We'll see. Um, all right, I think that I'm almost cleared out. I've got two, I've got one left, maybe. And I might just pack it in here at six. Um, Tom, how many you got left? Two. Okay. What you got? Uh, next, we're going to go with the under 44 and a half in Northwestern Iowa. This is a huge game for the Big Ten West because if Northwestern wins, while it doesn't mathematically clinch, it's pretty much got the division on lockdown because it'll have the tiebreakers over Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And it'll have a lead on all three of them in the standings as well. It's just... I don't think there's going to be very many points scored in this game. It's The line kind of stinks a little bit. I think that I was too big of an underdog or a favorite, but I'm wondering why that is, so I'm kind of scared to jump on Northwestern in the points. But I just look at it, and I think that Iowa is an efficient offense, but it's going against a good defense. And, and Iowa is one of the more deliberately paced offenses in the country in which they, they do not ever, you know, they're never in a hurry to get anywhere. And Northwestern, which is doesn't isn't exactly high powered on offense, moves quicker, but it's very inefficient. So I just look at this as a game that's going to be like first team to get into the twenties is probably going to win. So I, I like the under here because I don't think they're going to reach forty points, let alone forty four and a half. 
This, this I, I was texting you guys about this earlier in the week. I mean, I, I would be on Northwestern here plus like 11 or whatever yeah. it is if it wasn't so such a spooky. Like, I, I, exactly. What, what in the world is that number that big for? Uh, it's it's so weird that I'm, I'm scared to play it. But to your point, like, and plus a 44 and a half number with 11 point line is like kind of mm-hmm. ridiculous. So, yeah. Funky. Weird there. Uh, Barton, what you got? Uh, I've got in the SEC East, we've got Vanderbilt playing Missouri. Uh, And it's on the road. And Missouri had a big win last week against Florida. And I think both these teams are going to score a lot of points. I am going with another over. So over 62 and a half. If Vandy. Vandy Missouri. Uh, look, this this Missouri team is a different team with Emmanuel Hall at receiver. Um, Emmanuel Hall is healthy. We saw that last week. Um, Vanderbilt's also a different team with Keyshawn Vaughn healthy at running back. Uh, and I, I think that Vanderbilt can protect and find yardage through the air against Missouri. You know, Missouri's been a tough team to run the football on, but but Keyshawn Vaughn can do it in different ways. And I think that Missouri against a Vanderbilt defense that doesn't quite have the depth that you'd like to see, I think Missouri will be able to get theirs. I, I like this game kind of getting up there in the numbers, and I uh, I think there's going to be uh, you know I I think Missouri could could this one out but uh, I also feel confident Vanderbilt will be able to get some points on the board so I think the safe play here is another over 62 and a half wow yeah I mean I wish you luck Barton but I I don't know if I can stand to even come near an over in an SEC East division game (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna take a lot but hey I uh so you you think that Vanderbilt gets 24? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this feels like a, uh, you know, 38 to 24. Does that hit? No, that doesn't nope. even hit. That <laughs> that's, that's right there. <laughs> it's a 62. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, that's, that hits. Or 62, yeah. 62, yeah. No, it doesn't hit. Uh, yeah, this is going to... 42, 24. I, I, I can't do the math. <laughs> What do you guys want me to do? Some is this a math show? I just this is they're gonna it's gonna go over. Right. <laughs> he, he went to an Ivy League school, folks. It's a history major, guys. <laughs> um. All right, Tom. Back to you. Uh, my final play goes right in line with what you just said, Chip. I am taking South Carolina, Florida under fifty-four. There you go. I don't I don't know how much explanation I really need for this one, but if you just want some trends, I will just say that. The under is six and one in South Carolina's last seven road games. It is eighteen and seven in their last twenty-five conference games. The under is nineteen, and, or I'm sorry, wrong stat. And it's four and one in the last five games between these two. South Carolina's defense is not great this year, and you know I could be being somewhat generous by saying not great, but I just think that. Florida's offense is kind of 
start and go. It, it struggles at times and then it finds its groove and it's has a hard time sticking in that groove when it does get there. But defensively, I think it'll limit South Carolina and I don't expect it to score too many points. I just think that this is the kind of game where maybe, you know, Florida ends up winning probably about 10 and I would say the final score is probably like maybe that 31-21 kind of range. So that'd be what, 52? So, yeah, I just... I like the under here. I, I just don't expect there to be too many points in this one. Plus, it's going to be somewhat of a windy day. Oh, late lock agreement. We're picking locks. Coming off the log, coming off the fire. Did you just there say you wind? Go. All right, yeah, I'm going to go under 54 South Carolina, Florida. Bang. I was also con- p- potentially considering South Carolina plus six. I think that there's a chance Florida loses this game. But in that scenario and in a South Carolina plus six scenario – I think that that is also in line with an under and uh, under seems like a safer bet, but yeah, I don't, I don't like Florida right now. That's another team where, uh, and so Kyle Trask got hurt in practice this week Mm -hmm. and Felipe is getting yo-yoed and now he's the only one out there. Yeah. I kind of feel like, I feel like there might be a lot of empty drives, you know? A lot of punting from the plus territory. A lot of lot of not converted third downs on both sides of the ball. So yeah, let's uh, let's go under fifty four, South Carolina, Florida, and I'm uh, I'm tapped out. Barton, I've got one more. Uh, this is this is my my classic last log on the fire that I I probably shouldn't play, uh, and so this is where you know folks need to maybe. Listen to this, feel how I feel, and this could be your fade Barton play. But I'm going with another over in the Big Ten this time. <laughs> this what? Is not, this is, this is, yeah, yeah. This is, I, I get it. It's not supposed to work like this, especially when Wisconsin plays Penn State. This is supposed to be rock'em, sock'em, smash mouth football, and yet. I think these teams are going to have a hard time stopping each other. I think that Penn State has had some – they're a little soft in the middle. Uh, Wisconsin, as good of a run game as you're going to find, I think that, that plays to their, the, the strengths well. I think that um, you know Wisconsin's not a defense that I can trust either. And even if Trace McSorley's banged up, hey, Tommy Stevens, time to shine. You know, let let let's roll. I I just think both of these teams are going to be able to move the football on each other, and I would like this better where it opened at like fifty one. I hope I didn't get it too late, but I'll take it at over. I think the number is fifty five and a half. Last time I saw fifty five, fifty five, fifty five. Yeah, yeah. So give me that. Leave that hook where it is, and give me uh, over fifty five. As long as you can get it under that key number. I like it. I could see eight touchdowns in this game for sure. Yeah, this is – this is. Uh, I got three overs for the people this week. So, you know, if these hits, then, uh, you know, I feel like I need a – I deserve a beer. I will – I just want to warn you. It's going to be cold and windy. Yeah, I'm not worried about the wind here, though. Because I think these uh, are teams that – Running. Yeah, they're they're gonna run the football. Hey, maybe that runs the clock a little bit. Whatever. They're gonna they're, there's gonna be some big 
some they're going to move the football on the ground. The other the other problem is we don't know if Alex Hornybrook's playing or not, but at the same time we don't know if that helps or hurts. The <laughs> Right. <laughs> on one hand, uh, decrease in the efficiency of the passing game. On the other hand, decrease in the likelihood of pick six. How do we weigh this out? <laughs> it can go either way, folks. Really good. Uh, okay, how, how do you see that game playing out? Because one of the logs that I'm not going to put on the fire that I left out there was Wisconsin plus nine. Yeah, I like Wisconsin. I just, it's, again, it also, with, with Horny Brooks status still up in the air i i don't really have anything confident to make but if hornybrook plays i really like wisconsin and even if he doesn't play i kind of still like wisconsin what do you think barton i mean that was another odd line to me feels like it should be more like six or four and a half or something like that what what has penn state done this year to really justify being that big of a favorite against wisconsin Mm. yeah that I mean, that's th- those were that one and the Northwestern Iowa game are two lines that I just something something's a little smells a little funny with those two. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit them out. It's probably a smart decision. All right, uh, let's review everyone's cards. Tom, who is again forty and thirty five on the season, plus five units. Mississippi State plus twenty four. Auburn plus fourteen and a half. Ole Miss plus twelve. Under 55.5 in Miami, Georgia Tech. Ohio State minus 3.5. Oklahoma State plus 20.5. Under 44.5 in Northwestern Iowa. Under 54 in South Carolina, Florida. Barton's card. He is 35 and 32 plus 3 units on the season. Syracuse plus 21 on Friday night in the Carrier Dome. Georgia minus 14. Kansas plus 10.5 at Kansas State. Michigan State plus 3.5. Arkansas plus 13 and a half over 79 in Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State over 62 and a half in SEC East Bedlam, Missouri and Vanderbilt and over 55 in Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, Chips card 39 and 30 on the season plus nine units for the year over 53 in Bama, Mississippi State under 57 and a half in Clemson, Boston College, Texas A&M minus 12, Miami plus three. Michigan State plus three and a half, Florida State plus 16 and a half, and the under 54 in South Carolina, Florida. Our lock fights are taking place in Georgia Auburn. That's a Tom and Barton battle. In Texas A&M Ole Miss, that is a Tom and Chip battle. And in Ohio State, Michigan State, that's everybody getting in on it. Good card. Nice card. Nice card. Very nice card. Good card. card. Nice card. Pat its head. Good card. (laughs) (laughs) Any other locks from the dentist? Uh, No. No. He was was torn with this one. So, yeah, the dentist lock this week is what would we say? Uh, Under. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And Ole Miss. He he actually liked Georgia, too. So, we'll see. We'll see if I get a little little, uh, free dental cleaning. That one hits. Yeah, they'll they'll at least uh, you at least get the like the free imaging or something like that. Like you get an extra an extra X ray, something that they you they can just sort of sneak right. in. <laughs> right, right. 
Uh, all right. Uh, he is Tom Fernell. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Our thanks to uh, you, the listeners, our, our guests this week, Ross Tucker, Dennis Dodd, Tom Fernelli. Make sure that you go back and, uh, and listen to those because I think there were a lot of useful insights that you can get from the midweek episodes. And, of course, the recap, if you have not gotten it already, all of it will get you set for the weekend action. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point, every cover.